Hi everyone, this is Dan Tallarico from Matrix Solutions, and on today's episode of the podcast, we have Matt Dorenzo, Executive Director of Lion Publishers. Matt comes on the podcast to talk to us about the changing environment in the publishing world and how advertisers, members, and sales reps are all kind of connected together in a way they weren't before and how to best leverage those relationships so it's a win-win for everyone. Uh, Stay tuned for that. It's very exciting stuff. Hi everyone, this is Dan Tallarico from the Matrix Solutions Media Sales Podcast, and today I have Matt Dorenzo on with me. Uh, Matt, do you want to tell me a little bit about your background, what it is you do in the industry? Sure, Dan. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, so I am uh, executive director of an organization called Lion Publishers. Um, Lion stands for Local Independent Online News, um, and we support um, people who have launched basically local online news sites in their communities. Um, you know, people who are not part of a big corporate chain um, and who kind of live in the community where their site is. Um, before that, I was um, started as a newspaper reporter the day after my 18th birthday, and I was an editor. Um, I was a corporate director of news for the old uh, journal registry, register company newspaper chain. Um, and then when that merged and became, with Media News, it became Digital First Media, I was um, a publisher for them, um, uh, editor of the New Haven Register in Connecticut, and regional editor for um, the Northeast, New York and New England for them. So I've done, uh, the, I came up on the journalism side, I've gone back and forth a couple times <laughs> to the business side, um, launching products, closing products, <laughs> you know, yeah. managing sales teams, circulation, all that. So, yeah. So you've just seen this industry really evolve and grow and sort of um, condense over time then, huh? Yeah. You know, when I, when I um, was director of news at the old JRC, it was, I, I remember having to enforce rules with local editors that they couldn't put more than four stories on the web a day. <laughs> Because, oh we were afraid, yeah, right, because we were afraid that it would cannibalize print, right? And yeah. we wanted to, you know, the CEO wanted to protect print. Um, so we went through all kinds of variations of, of that kind of thing, for sure. Um, you know, then to eventually the company be, call, be calling itself digital first with an, with an effort to really, you know, partly PR, but partly um, really for an internal mindset to like um, burn the print boats behind us and, and get with the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so how have you kind of seen that relationship change over time between, like, you know, the traditional print and digital? Are they working, have they kind of learned to bury the hatchet and work better together now? Is it more like a hybrid approach, or is it more, um, you're stealing Uh, all my thunder? This is really interesting, because um, I think most companies... It has been a hybrid, and, and you know, the, the, there's no print people and digital people, at least on the news side. Sure. I mean, I think on the sales side, too, where everybody was selling everything, um, although I've, I've seen it all, people go, having dedicated digital-only sales reps and then going back and forth and back and forth, you know, or some combination of. Um, and um, and then you, you have a couple of other companies, um, Advance, the Newhouse family comes to mind, and Hearst comes to mind, where they really had completely separate digital operations. Um, and I want to say that I think they grew faster on the digital side being separate, if that really? makes sense. Um, what and, would you kind of like attribute uh, that, that to? 
is I think that, well, here's, here's one example. Um, and this is a news side example, but I, I think that there's parallels on the selling, selling side. Um, when I was at Digital First, we launched a CMS, you know, a new CMS, mm-hmm. um, our editorial products, and they wanted the CMS to be able to handle print and digital at the same time. Okay. And to do that, we had to modify the CMS in so many ways to take to, to account for like X special section, print section, or the fact that we did a PDF replica edition. <laughs> and and what it did, each one of those steps hampered digital. Um, and so all the things that like, you know, if digital is um, you know, the Ferrari or the or actually not even the Ferrari, the airplane, because you can do, you know, <laughs> um, and print was the go-kart and you're trying to run it on the same platform, naturally your airplane is gonna be not as good of an airplane, if that makes sense. They're being handicapped. That's very simplistic, but yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. And so- But then, you know, but but then, you know, there's arguments, and I think it's coming back around where it should be merged in part because um, especially with a shrinking print product, I don't think it makes sense to have a separate staff to do that or anything, Mm -hmm. and also, one, and this is, you know, gets to something that I is a mantra of mine. You know, I think as people have focused on digital, they've kind of abused some of the print subscribers, who, yeah. who are like the most loyal people. Even right. though, even though it's a platform that might be dying, they're like your most loyal people. And and from a customer service standpoint, if you treat them badly. Um, and this is also really simplistic. Guess what they're telling their kids, you know, who are the who are their VP at the local bank that doesn't want to, you know, that might buy advertising from you. Like your whole reputation suffers right. if you're not if you're not treating every every everything that you do well and the people that you serve well. Yeah, and so that's something you know. I was reading that article you wrote, in, uh, editor and publisher, and something you kind of talk about is like this, and I think this is sort of related is like you know, like a user experience person or like a yeah. member person, right? And that idea of like, okay, great, you're selling advertising and doing print, but at the end of the day, if you don't have subscribers, like what's kind of the point? Right. Well, so look, we've always, um, you know, there's this big trend now back towards an emphasis on reader revenue. And I think every company is focused, mm-hmm. every newspaper company is focusing on that. Um, and that's because of you know, what programmatic has done to CPM rates on digital advertising, um, what Google and Facebook have done to CPM rates, sure. right? Um, you know, capturing so much of the digital growth. So there's this focus on reader revenue. But if you step back and think about it, um, not only were we getting reader revenue from circulation revenue in the past, but we were getting everything is about reader revenue and that we've always been pay, we've always been selling advertisers um, readers attention. Right. So it really kind of was always about the reader. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so I think we need to evolve in a couple of ways. One is to treat readers well and engage with them um, to get subscriber revenue, whether that's, you know, hopefully digital subscriptions um, or memberships. Um, but we also have to do that um, in a more personal way um, to serve our advertisers well and, and be able to connect advertisers with readers um, in a way that's not obnoxious, in a way that actually converts to sales for them, so forth. Yeah. So, what do you think, like, the best way to build that bridge? Because it's, it's two very different audiences. Like, who handles that, and who, like, what does an organization need to facilitate those conversations and make that successful? Right. Well, so user experience is one. So I, so I think it comes down, to, you know, in the really big picture sense. 
um, if you're if it's about not if it's not a commodity if readers aren't a commodity and you really have to have a relationship with them and you have to gain their trust in order to keep them because they have so many options right and they have the technology at their fingertips to like go anywhere sure. um, for, for both commerce and for information um, then you have to have their trust and to be trust to have their trust you have to have um, um, transparency I think about how you operate and not trick them into clicking on a story or not trick them into right. clicking on an ad that doesn't, um, that doesn't uh, give what it promises. Um, and, you know, to, to refund their money if you've made a mistake, to admit your mistakes, all of those kind of um, good business practices and decency, right? Um, and then I think what we're confronting now is um, a limit on what technology can do for that kind of relationship and targeting. Like, so we've, we've worked on, a, I don't even call it, I wouldn't even call it a relationship. You know, we've seen this explosion in ad tech over the past 10 years where um, we're going to give advertisers a, um, a connection to, to readers because we know where they're going across the web sure, and we yeah. know their demographic and all that. Um, but I think we've hit a wall in terms of the effectiveness, effectiveness of this, if it ever was effective, in that, um, as you as you know, if you shop for shoes, um, if you search for shoes, a pair of shoes that you want, and even if you buy them, you'll then be, uh, you'll then get an ad for them for the next yeah, all over the place. Years. You're like, great, I already bought that. Like, all I'm not think, buying another pair. And all I can think is, I do this every year. It happens to me. Um, and the poor Hess company, I buy the Hess truck for my son every year. Okay. And for the next month, I probably have served 5,000 impressions of Hess ads for right. that same truck. And I, all I can think of is that company is wasting so much money. Totally. So, like, <laughs> so is it just like a level of like technology is not there to kind of like cut that off or just like not knowing when to cut that off? Is it you know, like an education that, thing or what? You no, know, I, I think that I think that. I think that the tech needs to improve greatly. I think that's obvious, and, and I'm sure there's a million people working on that. But I also think that um, there's a backlash amongst individuals against that kind of thing. And it feels creepy. Um, it feels invasive. People are sure. adopting ad blockers, right? Mm -hmm. um, and also, we have to question how effective banner ads were in the first place or are. <laughs> Okay, right. you know the click-through rate on those is basically like down in the gutter. Um, yes, but depending and who so, you talk to, 0.1 percent is a great number. Right, and and obviously you know people advertise on billboards out mm -hmm. in you know, out, out out on the highway, and there's no click-through rate on there. But if they are, they have an impact. So yeah, I I know the, the arguments, um, but I think um, we need to. Um, so I envision or I dream of a system, you know, yeah. that is much more, and maybe it's because I work with small publishers, um, and maybe someone would tell me this doesn't scale and whatever, but I dream of a system where the, the, in, you, the reader that you're serving, you're not only serving them with news and information and good journalism, but you're serving them with like, um, helping them connect to a relationship with brands um in a really positive way and not in an invasive way like um if i am i trust you uh you know the the main street times okay or whatever sure. your publication is 
I trust you for for journalism, whatever, and I trust your business practices, including, um, you know, and, and so, and you get to know me. Um, and I, you know that I go to Whole Foods. I love Whole Foods. There's certain brands I like sure. that I want to hear from, and I want to hear from in the most meaningful way possible, um, the most useful way possible. The most useful way might not be a banner ad, you know? Um, it might be an email newsletter about, what's coming up in their stories. It might be native advertising or, uh, um, or sponsored content. Like the sponsored content I want to read if I love Whole Foods is how, um, you know, they've eliminated GMOs um, or they are um, um, introducing a new line of microbrew beer. Sure. In yeah. my area, you know, yeah. I would like not only read that, I would go act on it. And that's a win-win for both the brand and for me. Right? So is sponsored content sort of like a solution to this? Because like that is kind of the, the sweet spot from my point of view of offering, you know, quality, you know, writing and, you know, images and like a really great piece and also yeah. getting the brand associated with that. I think um, it's part of the puzzle. Um, like it's half, half the solution, or it's a, it's a, it's a format that's going to be part of the solution, because um, I do think it works better than banner ads if you're trying to like help people, sure. right? Um, it depends on how you're approaching it. I think people approach sponsored content is not that it's going to help people, but that it's going to trick people. <laughs> sure, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like how small can we make that? like that text yeah. that says sponsored content, right? Yes, right, because you want that, I think that it's effective in some cases because, and I say effective in quote marks, right? Sure. Um, because it tricks people. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why you see a high, um, in part, you see, so I, I question how much of the high click-through is that, or it's because it is actually useful to people. And so if you can make it actually useful to people, awesome. And so part of that is, um, even if you don't know your audience at all, you don't know who's going to read it. Um, if it's something that has useful information in it, um, and that's entertaining and that's well written, um, and that's that that you you the, a great bar would be: Would you, if no one was paying you, would you write this article? And would it be good content on your sure, site? Yeah. All that comes together, awesome. You know, that's part of the equation. But if you can fulfill the other part of the equation by knowing who's going to read it and knowing that they want to read it, that. You know, there, there's your sweet spot. Um, and so I dream, and again, it may not scale. I don't know. Um, I dream of a, of a, of a operation that would have a CRM for advertisers, which we all have, right? Mm -hmm. um, hopefully. Um, and a CRM, but also a CRM for our readers. Sure. And as, as we, um, as we, uh, and so not just, browsing history which does scale you know that's kind of that can be automatic and automated sure. but but uh, but layering in other information that they voluntarily opt in and give you um, and that's where I see uh, the, the confluence of advertising and sponsored content and um, subscribe a focus on digital subscriptions and memberships yeah. voluntary memberships so I mean that that kind of technology has existed in marketing for years right like HubSpot is a great example of basically a a CRM, you know, automation platform that will collect all this information about your user and right. you could automate and build profiles and personas and say, okay, this person loves, um, all our blog posts about, you know, meats or cheeses. Um, you have me thinking about like grocery stores now. And so that's all I could think about. Um, yeah. and so is that like kind of like, okay, we take 
that from a, we take that marketing technology and that kind of collecting the data and build something for like a newspaper and and who would even use that at a publisher right is that like sales is looking through that and saying okay how can i turn this audience into well so content? i think yeah so i think what if the man, what if you look took a big picture and I, publishers do this by their very nature you took a but they can't it seems like they can't kind of keep it separate what if you took a big picture of your a big picture view of your revenue and said membership is going to be you know membership or digital reader revenue direct reader revenue um, like paying for content is going to be 30 percent for us um advertising because it's shrinking like crazy traditional advertising is going to be 30 percent also um and then the other 30 percent is going to be sponsored content and, and e-commerce and events every single one of those has to do with your readers and your individual readers and what they need and what they like um you know the, on the advertising thing to, if you can target them better and if they actually opt in to that message from whole foods they're inviting it in that's, that's going to be so much more effective, right? right. Then even like I'm, and that's like going a step further than um, we're targeting them because we we know a very sophisticated level what they like. Um, it goes a little bit further in that we don't know that because they, like, they actually specifically told us this and they asked us to right. give them, you know, that's um, such a valuable person at right. that point, right? When they're yeah. opting into that information yeah. instead of making like bad guesses, right? Yeah, and then the same thing um, for e-commerce. You know, I can hear the cash registers ring like if, you know, if I'm looking for uh, that stuff and you can just keep I can just click on the link and buy it. Thank yeah. you. I mean, you that's know? so powerful, right? Just like delivering yeah. the right content to the right people at the right time is kind of the, yes. the name of the game. Yeah. And then the same thing um, when you get into things like events revenue or um, paid newsletters or, or whatever, whatever other you know, avenue you want to go down. Yeah. So an another, I guess, issue then is there's only so much advertising dollar, especially on like the local level that's being spent. Right. right. And so adding more products to the mix maybe doesn't, you know, increase revenue, but how can like a publisher get more, like a better share of that pie, right? More of that money instead of just spreading well, it out further and further. This is maybe basic. Part of this is just basic, um, sales rep blocking and tackling mm -hmm. right with human resources right because we've all had the sales reps who you know you bring out this new product um uh, text messaging whatever it is um that you think um could unlock more revenue in your market and they go to the same person that they have a great relationship with the car dealer right. and guess what they just shifted it from print to text messaging <laughs> or they just shifted it from social media campaigns to whatever um, and, um, and so the blocking and tackling comes down to, okay, that's great. If the new thing is hundred percent direct revenue versus a 20% share, <laughs> um, but it's not great if it's not, or it's going in the other direction. The ideal would be if it's the same client is, Hey, you're spending $20,000 a year on TV, probably more than that, mm -hmm. uh, if you're a car dealer, um, you know, for 10 of that. I can give you this. And that's in addition to what you're already spending with me. I mean, that's just kind of basic stuff. Right. Sure. Uh, and then, um, and I, but, the, but the other thing is, um, I think as you get sophisticated with the data and the targeting and the opt-ins, you're going to be able to reach clients that never were with you in the first place. 
um, Whole Foods isn't necessarily going to give a local publisher the time of day. But if you can go to them and say, I have 5,000 readers sure. who all clicked a box and said, please give us stuff about Whole Foods. <laughs> they might throw some money your they, way. They might. <laughs> yeah. You know, or, um, you know, um, I always as a publisher used to think about um, how to get dollars from non-retail operations that aren't traditional advertisers, sure. business, business to business stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can even go a layer down and, and talk to you, talk to your advertising base about what they need and, and do business to business stuff. Yeah. So do you have an example, like in this kind of changing landscape where, you know, sales is doing way more than they ever have and selling more stuff and you have ad ops, you know, involved and working together. Do you have an example of like a, a small publisher, you know, if they name names or anything, who's like really excelling at this and just like really doing amazing stuff? No, (laughs) I don't. And partly is that, um, um, you know, the publishers that that I work with at Lion are very small operations. So what's missing from their operation is the data side of it. But working with a good, um, you know, um, ad tech or ad ops company, um, or with a bigger operation, I think there's potential there. Um, and you do see, uh, you know, Bangor Daily News comes to mind as a newspaper company that's very progressive on this stuff. It's really, um, I don't know how far down the road they are in some of this, but I know that they're starting from the right standpoint, which is thinking about um, um, each individual reader and the potential revenue from them across a bunch of different channels. Um, and that's how I would... You know, that's not even think, that's not thinking about advertisers and selling them a product. That's thinking about the resource, you know, um, what you are selling, which is the, those readers' attention and that like, relationship sure. you have with them. Yeah, that's know. an interesting way to, to kind of look at things, I feel like, is you're selling readers' attention and how can you kind of bring quality content that they want to read to the front, right, um, to the right people. And something that we see a lot, we've been going to a lot of, like, publishing conferences lately, and more than ever, we're seeing a ton of new technologies around like paywall and subscribers and stuff like that. Um, are you seeing like from your point of view that stuff is people are investing more in that because they know it's like reliable revenue and then they could kind of build out a sales pipeline, like reverse engineer advertising from that? Everyone is working on that and then thinking about it. I think most of them are thinking about it wrong. Um, from my perspective, mm-hmm. um, other than, can you tell me a company that has successfully launched and getting significant revenue from a digital only subscriptions or paywalls other than the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, and the New York Times? Right. I mean, that's those would be the ones that come to the top of my mind, just because I I have no idea. Right. I know, like right. even here in Pittsburgh, the Post Gazette is struggles with that. Um, local well, news. Yeah, they do. And and you think about the, the couple biggest companies that have the potential to do it because um, of size and sophistication, Trunk, I mean, the former Tribune, right? Right. Um, and Gannett. And, you know, they are publicly traded companies who release their or, or within the past year or so have released information about how many digital only subscribers they have. And it is tiny. Right. Tiny. And it's just like it's it's negligible. It's almost, uh, you know, margin of error and meaning that no one does it. And I don't think and I think that that's because um, in their cases, they have uh, it's an editorial product problem um, that they have cut back 
Um, they're, they are what I would say a, a mile wide and an inch deep in terms of content um, where the people who, you know, you, you'll pay for something that's de- in depth on a topic that you care about, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. Um, and so the approach that I would suggest instead, um, unless you're radically going to rethink the mile wide inch deep thing, which I think you should. And, and, and in some cases um, is uh, a voluntary membership program and even a voluntary membership program that you don't have to pay for to start that just the information about that and that reader that opt-in is going to be valuable in all these other revenue categories but you know we've seen some indie sites uh berkeley side in california is a site in california berkeley california granted not every community is berkeley Mm -hmm. um but they have something like 20 to 25 percent of their revenue a for-profit site is voluntary paid memberships like npr style um, and h- how great is it instead of, instead of having a paywall where it's like, Oh, you've, you've hit your 10th story. Now you can't read about sure. the road closure. Now you can't read about the road closure in your neighborhood. <laughs> you know, it's sorry, like, pay us yeah. uh, versus it's like, that doesn't seem worth $10 a month at the moment. Right. Instead, I love you so much Right. that I'm going to give you money. Um, just because I want to, and I'm going to like put your bumper sticker on my car and like carry around a coffee mug that has your name on it, you know, which would you rather have, you know? And I, it's funny because you're totally right. I think very specific, like niche, like I'll pay and invest in like very like niche news sites, right. That are Mm -hmm. of interest to me. And I think even with stuff like, are you familiar with like Patreon and like the rise of that? It, that's, it's evidence that if, if people do care and like, like kind of like uh, love your product and what you do, they'll happily give you money. Right. It's just maybe a, a better relationship building with your audience. But what comes, what, what has to be like, what's hand in hand with that though, is what I think Jay Rosen calls it full stack credibility, which is like, if you made a mistake or, or something was deceptive in an article, you'd write a correction, hopefully, and you'd be transparent about it. Um, so why do we allow advertisements that promise one thing and deliver another? Or we don't even ask, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> you know? just assume um, it's going to be a bad experience. Yeah, and why do we do pop-up ads where the X is so tiny that it's really hard to cl- click out of? Mm-hmm. Is that good for the advertiser, <laughs> you know, to trick them into seeing it for half a second longer? You know, autoplay video, other stuff like that? Yeah. You know, I think you have to rethink that from top to bottom, what your relationship is with the reader and how you're serving them and 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 help advertisers um, have that kind of relationship too. you know, educate them and then treat your advertisers well, too. Like I've had, you know, I've been in many, you know, um, organizations where ad reps, you know, drag their feet trying to uh, when when someone an advertiser requests a report on click through rates or something like that or fudges circulation numbers. You know, uh, exaggerates traffic, um, you know, and that's that's even worse these days when you're selling them programmatic products that are so opaque. Sure. In terms of where the traffic's coming from, you know, where that ad appears, whether it's actually being viewed. You know, yes, the CPM rate is great. 90, 90 <laughs> but cents. Like what, what does that turn into? What, right. You get what you pay for. And, um, and so you don't want to operate that way when you're selling direct ads, you don't want to operate that way. Operate the opposite of that in as many ways possible. And that's your selling point, you know? 
so just I guess just to wrap things up here, what do you yep. think this industry looks like a year from now or five years from now? Like, what do you hope kind of people take away and evolve? In like, if everything goes well, if everything goes great, <laughs> you find a genie, rub that lamp, and you wish. Like, what do you? What does this interview look like from your point of view? Um, if everyone is just like nailing. Well, I mentioned like that mix of revenue, and I think. Um, Advertising isn't going to be 85%, 90% of revenue. It might be 30 or 40. But um, but that doesn't mean that revenue from brands um, isn't going to be still 80 to 90%. It's just going to be um, – it's going to be e-commerce. It's going to be events. It's going to be, um, you know, newsletters. It's going to be sponsored content. All of that revolves around a relationship and personalization with the reader. Um and so to facilitate that, I think you need a culture that's honest and transparent and ethical um, and, and, and focus on engagement. And you need new roles. You know, um, you need to have you need to if you have no one working on data um, and you have no um, you're not spending money on that. If you don't have someone thinking everyone thinking about user experience, but someone keeping you honest. Um, and if you don't, if you're not, if you're just doing sponsored content in a way that's like writing ad copy, um, you're not going to get there. Sure. Okay. So there you have it. Um, all everyone listening out there, all the ad reps and everyone, you could do better. You could know <laughs> your audience. Think about the audience and the ads that you're serving to your members, and uh, make sure they enjoy that. All right. Well, Matt, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, this has been a ton of fun. All right. Great. Well, everyone, thanks for listening to another great episode of the Matrix Solutions Media Sales Podcast. Check us out at matrixformedia.com. Follow us on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, where we are posting lots of insightful and fun stuff to kind of help you grapple with the changing landscape of the advertising world and media. And thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.